My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is creator and he is alive. My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is creator and he is alive. He made all the heavens and earth, yes it's true, he showed all his glory so there's no excuse. So worship, adore him, and baptize his name. So chaos he enters, his greatness proclaim. My God is alive, my God is alive, my God is alive. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior, and he is alive. The Christ is alive. The Christ is alive, the Christ is our Savior, and He is alive. He rose from the bondage and gloom of the grave, exalted on high for the life that He gave. So glory and honor and praise is His name. So chaos of kingdoms His sonship proclaim. The Christ is alive, the Christ is alive. The Christ is alive. God's Word is alive. God's Word is alive. God's Word is the Bible and it is alive. God's Word is alive. God's Word is alive. God's Word is the Bible and it is alive. The Spirit inspired the great men of God who penned all the message while he it sharpens and swords and it passes the same. Since powers is failing, its worth we proclaim. God's word is alive. God's word is alive. God's word is alive. You know, I used to tell people that we as human beings have been created with an immortal soul that will live on forever. However, when we actually go back to the pages of the Bible, I think that we see a slightly different story than that. And what I would like for us to do is open up our Bibles together and take a look. Let's go back all the way to the very beginning. And think about this. When you open up into the, books of, into the book of Genesis in the first few pages of the Bible, the first three chapters tell us that God created mankind, but then that he placed within the garden two different trees, right? We oftentimes focus on the one tree, the one tree that introduced sin. What about that other tree? We talk about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but the other tree was the tree of life. Well, see, from the very beginning, it wasn't just that Adam and Eve were going to live forever, but yet they could live forever if they continued to be with God and to eat from that tree of life. So that's how immortality came originally. So we see even from the first few pages of the Bible though that uh, Adam and Eve, they needed that tree of life. However, they decided to choose to live a different way, to live apart from that tree, to try to work things out their own way. And they said to God that they didn't want to do it his way. They didn't want to follow his rules. Well, we actually see that that same type of pattern is repeated throughout the generations, even up into the present time. In the New Testament, 
in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, it tells us the same things have been done. It's not just about Adam and Eve. It's not just about their problem. It's also our problem even today. In Romans 1, beginning in verse 21 and going down to verse 25, we read, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over to this in, in, over in the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served, created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. See, this passage is not speaking about Adam and Eve. It's speaking about people during Paul's day and even speaking about people during our day, really, about how people have chosen to do the same things that is mentioned right here. We sometimes think that we are so wise, but yet we end up becoming fools whenever we do that. And what we see also here is that humans have decided to, as verse 23 says, exchange that glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings. See, we as human beings, we are mortal. We needed that tree in order to live. We needed um, God in order to sustain our very lives. In fact, we still need God in order to sustain our very life right here and right now. So immortality is not just, well, we're automatically going to live forever. No, God is described here as the immortal God. We're the ones who are mortals. So we see that same flaw with Adam and Eve, that they weren't going to live forever and they weren't following God. We see that same flaw being written about during Paul's day. And we also see that this, this same flaw is going to result in judgment. I mean, judgment is the result. And that's what uh, Paul gets into in the next chapter, in Romans chapter 2. So in Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, we read, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who are persistent in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. We see this contrast that's given right here, but we also see... One of the statements that is that is mentioned is, you know, we, we have this this choice right here and right now. Yes, judgment is going to be something that we will that we will face. And we have a choice right now. What are we going to seek? Are we going to seek ourselves? Are we going to reject this truth? Are we going to follow evil? Just like verse eight says. And if that's the case, then what we will receive is wrath and, and anger. But will we choose to rather do good and seek glory and, and honor? And immortality, is that the type of people that we need to become? Is that the type of people that we are? Because if it is, then he says in verse 7 that he will give eternal life. That's the type of God that we serve. This is also the type of judgment that we uh, can expect to see one day in the future. And we need to make sure that we make no mistake about this whatsoever, that only God is immortal. God is the one who is immortal. We are described as mortal human beings. And I hope that we can always re remember that the, the frailty of humanity and the fact that we are only human. 
We are not God. We serve God. We worship God. But we ourselves are not God. And one of these things about immortality, what we described here, it's something that really only God alone possesses. So why does this passage here in Romans, why does it tell us that, you know, about seeking those things or looking into those things? And then he's going to give eternal life. What, what does all this mean? Well, a passage here in 1 Timothy uh, describes God as being the only one who is immortal. So let's take a look at that together. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, now this passage right here, I've backed up just a little bit. We're really going to get eventually into verse uh, 16, but I've backed it up just a little bit so that we can get this, this context here of what Paul is telling Timothy. Now he's speaking to Timothy, and he's in the midst of him speaking, he mentions God, and I love how Paul does this so often, and there's a lot we can learn about these times that when Paul mentions God's name, he just pauses and goes on and on just praising God. I think that can be a wonderful lesson for us. Do we love God and want to talk about God so much that whenever we say God, we can't help but just stop and just praise him for all these great things that he's done? See, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, this is one of the passages where we learn that only God is immortal, but we get this in the sense of praising God for who he is and what he has done. In 1 Timothy 6 verses 12 through 16, we read, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of, G and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light whom no one has seen or can see to him be honor and might forever amen you see this passage of praise it speaks about god that he is this blessed and only ruler in verse 15 he is the king of kings he is the lord of lords verse 16 though tells us who alone is immortal so god alone is immortal and he lives in unapproachable light no one has seen him. No one can see him. To him belong honor and might forever. This is the way that our God is described right here. So here Timothy is told to take hold of this eternal life. And this confession of faith, this confession of faith uh, that we see of the identity of who Jesus is, the identity of, of uh, who Jesus is and what he did uh, for us, that is what I believe um, that Paul is speaking about with this good confession, confessing that Jesus is the Messiah, that he did die for our sins. And because of Jesus, our life has got to be and will be different. This was all made possible from God's plan. God is mentioned in verse 16, who alone is immortal. This is also, you know, uh, one of the things, at least I think it, it's connected here, to the resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus um, yes, he was God, he is God, and yes, he did die, but he also conquered death because he is immortal. You can't fully kill him, but he, he uh, went through that, taking on the punishment for our sins. Uh, in fact, the, the scripture says that um, he became sin who knew no sin. That's the way that Jesus is described as taking on our sin upon himself. So this immortal being, 
this Jesus Christ, who is Lord of Lords, who is King of Kings, he is immortal, yet he experienced death for a time. For a weekend, he experienced death. But on the first day of the week, he arose because he is immortal. And we see that we need to always honor him and we need uh, to praise him for who he is and for what um, he has done. Now, we also find out something uh, else pretty amazing about immortality because we, we see from this passage that God alone is immortal. However, in another book that was written to Timothy, in that we call 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy, we find out something very interesting about this immortality and connection with God. So, remember, God alone is immortal. But this passage right here tells us that Jesus Christ, well, you know what? Let's just read it together. It speaks about immortality, so pay attention uh, to that. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. Once again, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, and he says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who, was, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. When you heard me, I'm sorry, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now, you might have noticed the connection of the Holy Spirit and how many times the Holy Spirit is mentioned right here in, 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 in uh, uh, this passage. And, you know, that is very fitting for what we looked at last week with the Holy Spirit being poured out and, and the church being filled with the Spirit. Well, now this passage right here is not talking about that occasion that happened on the day of Pentecost. He's talking, what, what Paul is speaking about is a Christian who became a Christian later on in life. This Timothy, he was not um, just a first generation Christian. He was, you know, um, his, his parents and his uh, grandparents, his mother and his grandmother. Uh, they were both Christians and passed on this faith uh, to him. And we notice that one of the statements it made is about our Savior Christ Jesus in verse 10. It says that he, was he has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. See, whenever we understand what the gospel message is, and yes, I'm talking about that story of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because those are gospels, aren't they? They are the gospel of Jesus. But we also see in the gospel the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And we see that through that death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus Christ has done something. He has destroyed death. He has brought life to us. And we also notice that he has brought immortality to light through this gospel. 
So immortality, the beautiful thing about it and the wonderful thing about it is, yes, only God alone is immortal. Uh, that is, he's the only being who has always existed, always exists, and always will exist in and of himself. We are created beings. But you know what? The amazing thing is we are created, we are created beings who are allowed to have eternal life only through Jesus Christ and the gospel message. So you want to know the power of the gospel? You want to know how important it is? Well, see, we see that this immortality is given to us as humans as a gift through Jesus Christ. It's not that we're just born with it and because all of humans are just humans, we're going to just live forever. That's not exactly how the Bible speaks about it. Yes, it's closely related and it's similar, but you know, let's actually talk about these things from the Bible. Let's look at the Bible and see what it says. And it says that Jesus Christ, it says that God alone is immortal. And it says that Jesus Christ has brought immortality to light through the gospel. We can learn about immortality. We can learn about eternal life. And we can receive this wonderful gift through Jesus Christ and what he has done for us in this gospel message. This good news that we can proclaim about Jesus. Now, it is right and it is good to hope for immortality now and to hope for all these wonderful things. But we need to also all the while recognize that it will not be fully realized or fully revealed until Christ returns. Uh, that is so important to, to kind of understand that. To long for it, to hope for it, yes. But also to understand that it doesn't fully come to us. Uh, not until the second coming of Christ. Not until the return of Christ. And we see that when Christ returns, wonderful things are going to happen on that day. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see about this new body that we will receive. The end of the book of Revelation tells us that God is going to make all things new. But you know what? We see this, this uh, language about having new bodies, we as, as Christians, and we as Christians being given the gift of eternal life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through uh, 58, uh, this is how it's written here. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but, we'll, uh, but we will all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has, clothed, has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is a law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This passage tells us some beautiful things, some wonderful things that in a flash and a twinkling of an eye, just as, as quick as you can snap your fingers or blink your eyes, things will be changed. Our mortal bodies, in verse 53, our mortal will have immortality. Our mortal bodies will, will then be uh, immortal. 
verse 54 also describes that contrast about the, the mortal bodies that we are in right now and the immortality that we will uh, be able to receive and live within. That death is not going to have its victory. It's not going to have the final say in our lives because we've been given eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The victory has come through Jesus, as verse 57 says. So now, because of that, because of, of knowing that wonderful fact that this victory comes through Jesus Christ, through, his, uh, through the gospel about Jesus Christ, what should we do about it? That's what verse 58 tells us that we need to always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. That's what we need to do. You know, we, we hear about these great things, about this victory in Jesus, and then what do we do? We need to recognize, look, we need to be working for the Lord, being involved fully in the work of the Lord, because we know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. So what type of labor for the Lord have you been doing recently? I think that we can all agree that that this is what we need to be about. This is where our focus needs to be. And we need to, to remind one another of the, the wonderful story of God, this wonderful gospel message of God. And it's not just one of these stories that we just hear once and it's great and then we move on, but we hear it time and time again, remind one another of it, and constantly learn more about this gospel and teach people around us. We need to fully give ourselves fully devoted to the work of the Lord. Our labor is never in vain. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I fight with all my might to keep on living for the Christ. I know there is a glorious end in sight. The crown of life, the crown of victory I shall wear. So I sing the song of triumph till I'm there. I run for the crown, I race for the prize. I press toward the upward call of God. I run for the crown, I race for the prize. I press toward the upward call of God. To keep on living for the Christ I know there is a glorious end in sight The crown of life, the crown of victory I shall wear So I sing the song of triumph till I'm there I run for the crown, I race for the prize I press toward the upward call of God